In Philippians 3.10, Paul said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. We can all relate to the first two, wanting to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, but why did Paul have a longing to share in Christ's sufferings? Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. The suffering of the saints takes the grace that Jesus purchased on the cross and delivers it to humanity. The suffering of those who are persecuted, for example, for the gospel, or the suffering of those who are persecuted when they translate the Bible, the suffering of a wife who stays in a hard marriage in order to honor Christ, and she ends up winning her husband to the Lord, and then he wins other people to the Lord, and they win someone else, and there's someone else who wins my grandparents who pass it down to me. Or maybe the suffering of the guy who puts himself through Bible college and seminary and graduate school and all these, he just keeps getting, just doing all this study and all the difficulty and financial pressure and everything to, to finally get the advanced degrees to become a scholar and, and then he, and then he goes through the ordeal of writing a commentary and getting it published and all the hardship associated with that so that I can go and pull a commentary off my shelf, open it up, find out what a passage means, get some insights into scripture and deliver it to all of you. Or the suffering of a Sunday school teacher who just becomes so frustrated with the scheduling and the curriculum and the classroom and the, or the kids and, the, and he just he gets to where he wants to just throw up his hands and quit, but he hangs in there, he perseveres, and ends up leading a child to the Lord. Or the suffering of people who, who come here during weeknights and, and, and wrestle through the rat's nest of wires that we have in this room and, and try to figure it out and, and read owner's manuals and, and finally come up with a situation where you can just sit there and listen to the sermon and not be distracted the whole time by feedback. All ministry requires suffering. And that suffering actually fills up and completes the very work of Christ because it delivers the grace that he purchased. It fills up the work of the supreme being whose supremacy is shared graciously among his people. And that sharing happens through our suffering. And I'll close with this thought because this is, this is where it all comes together. If verses 9 to 11 sounded a little over the top as an example for you being lifted up, they're not over the top. They're not over the top because part of the exaltation of Christ is the sharing of that glory with his people. We need to be exalted in order for him to be fully exalted. 2 Thessalonians 2.14 talks about how we, we participate in his exaltation. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of Jesus Christ. We need to share in it. We believe the gospel message, and if we believe the gospel message, we will be glorified with him, even physically. Remember back to, back to chapter 3 of Philippians uh, 3.21. Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. And the reason that's important is because our participation in his glory glorifies him all the more. This is why we were built for glory and exaltation. 700 years ago, 
before 700 years before Jesus, well, 2,700 years before us, 700 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah wrote that the Messiah would come and die and, and pay the penalty for our sins. And God the Father would declare his acceptance of that payment and say, I accept that, I accept that payment. And here's how I'm showing you that it's accepted. He, he, he declared his acceptance by raising Jesus from the dead. And part of that exaltation of Jesus, the Messiah, would involve the Messiah sharing the spoils of his victory with his people. Now, here's what Isaiah says. He's going to humble himself. He's going to be suffer. Then God, the Father's going to exalt him uh, through resurrection. And then verse 12. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death. When Jesus returns with power and great glory and every eye sees him and every knee buckles before him, part of what is going to make that appearing so glorious is the glory of his entourage, us who will be with him. If we believe the gospel message, we will be glorified with him, even physically, like we saw that. And and, and 1 Thessalonians 3.13 speaks of that glorious day when Christ will appear with all his saints. It's important that we be glorified with Christ because our glorification is part of his glorification. It doesn't compete with it. It magnifies it. So 2 Timothy 2.12 says, if we endure, we will reign with him. Like we were singing earlier, made like him, like him we rise. Why does it bother you so much when you come out a loser? When you, when you come out last, when you uh, are lowly brought down, doesn't bother dogs, it doesn't bother animals, it bothers you. Why does it bother you? Because you were designed for glory. You were designed for exaltation. Your soul craves exaltation because God built you for that. He hardwired you for that. But not the worthless, lame kind where you do it yourself. Not the, the, the competitive kind of honor where you lift yourself above, uh, above other people. Those are perversions of that God-given appetite. You were made to be exalted, not by yourself, not by people, but by God himself. To, and to be lifted up that way, it doesn't compete with Christ. It honors Christ because it adds to his glory. And the pathway to being lifted up like that and to, uh, and to exalt his glory all the more is joining in the suffering of Christ. So Philippians 3.10 says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so, somehow, to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Christ is going to raise us from the dead so that we share in Christ's glory, but He'll do that only when we have shared in His sufferings and become like Him in His death. Then we participate in both the supremacy and the suffering of Christ. If you humble yourself, God will not only lift you up in all the various ways in this life, but he will make you one of the sparkles in the glorious crown of the Son of God so that your glory contributes to his glory forever. Do you think you might have any opportunities today or in the next few days to share in Christ's sufferings, to undergo some hardship, big or small, to deliver some portion of the grace Jesus purchased to another human being?
try to think of some typical opportunities that come up and then daydream. Imagine yourself passing up the opportunity because you want to avoid discomfort. And then imagine yourself happily, joyfully remembering this principle and saying, yes, I will suffer that hardship in order to be the tool God uses to distribute some of his grace. Father, in order for me to have received the grace I have, many people had to suffer. Starting all the way back with the apostles who suffered horribly to deliver the gospel to the world intact. And that started a long string of missionaries and preachers and faithful parents and grandparents and friends, people who would talk to strangers about the gospel. Decade after decade after decade after for 2,000 years until someone suffered in order to bring it to those who brought it to me. Even the Sunday school teacher who told me the gospel when I was a little child, no doubt she had to endure hardship to do that ministry. I was one of only two kids in her class. She must have wondered if her ministry was even worth the time and trouble. Every week, my pastor suffers the hardships of ministry in order to bring your word to me. Thank you, Father, for moving in all those hearts so that grace could be delivered to me in person. And now, strengthen my heart to keep the string going. Give me boldness to plow through my laziness or fear or discomfort or anything else that would make me hesitate to do whatever needs to be done to be a conduit of your grace to the people around me. And Father, I ask that you would make my efforts fruitful. Grant me success when I try to encourage someone with your word. Bless my efforts to deliver your grace to people. For the sake of your name, dear Lord, make my efforts fruitful. And when there is success, protect me from any kind of pride, thinking, oh, that person was encouraged because I'm so skilled or smart or so good at this. Make all the successes generate nothing in my heart but joy in you and gratitude to you. Father, you are the God of all grace. You called me to your eternal glory in Christ. And after I have suffered a little while, you yourself will restore me, make me strong, firm, and steadfast. To you be the power, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of Philippians, 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.